You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. This is your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers, and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Sponsored by Advanced Track, helping you as an accountant confidently choose between outsourcing and offshoring. Welcome to the Success in Accounting podcast with me, Rob Brown, and we are continuing with a series of panels featuring prominent and influential women leaders in accounting and fintech. These are crazy times, challenging times, diversity, DEI, are top of many people's agendas. And as we emerge from the pandemic and try to make sense of the environment that we find ourselves in with hybrid working on a whole lot of other issues, we have a very wonderful panel today of women that I know and love and have known for some time. So I'm going to get them to introduce themselves in just a moment, and then we will dive into the topics. We have done plenty of these. You can see if you're watching the video that we're recording this at Christmas, although this will go out February, March 2023. These are perennial issues, though. We may start talking about why we weren't talking about this in 10, 15 years ago, because times are definitely changing. There are no accountants going to work in bowler hats and pinstripe suits and waistcoats and walking sticks anymore. Women are featuring much more prominently, and it is for the good. And we have four guests today that will hopefully reinforce that. Zoe, can I ask you first to uh, lead us off a welcome, a quick introduction, and then we move around the room. I am Zoe Lacey Cooper, and uh, I work at CPD Store. And some people may have recognised my face when I used to run the Accountex shows. Um, so very, very passionate about the accounting and bookkeeping ecosystem. So that is me, Rob. Thank you, Zoe. Sonia, welcome to you as well. Thank you. Um, I'm Sonia, and I'm the CEO of Chaser Accounts Receivable Software. Um, and I specialise in the automation economy. Emma, lovely to have you with us. And uh, you may tell us your unique situation, given what's going on in your life right now. But I know you're very passionate about this topic, too. A little introduction from you, please. Sure. Thanks, Rob. Hey, everyone. My name is Emma Crawford Fellicano. I'm the managing director for EMEA at Ignition. Uh, What Rob was talking about then is I've actually got a 12 day old. um, So 12 days postpartum. So this is my first piece of work since having my second child. And I've now got two under 14 months. I'm super passionate about this topic about diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging, having two mixed race children myself, having lived in multiple uh, and worked in multiple different cultures and, and countries and had quite a diverse background ranging from the military through to technology and software. And a big thank you to you, Emma, for showing up on maternity leave to take part in this. It's wonderful to have you with us. Louise, welcome to you as well. Hi, everyone. I'm Louise Wilson. I'm head of the finance sector here at Moneypenny. And Moneypenny is the UK's largest outsourced communications provider. That's a mouthful. Uh, What that means is we answer phone calls and we answer chats for accountancy firms and other sectors. Splendid. And uh, we are Accounting Influencers, proud to be a a client of yours, Louise. So uh, that's wonderful. Emma, I'm going to get you to kick off with some opening remarks for us because I... Ignition, uh, I've got behind the women's movement over recent years. You run awards and certain events for these. So talk to us about why diversity has become so important in recent years and uh, why do workplaces need it? Even just talking about diversity is quite a triggering subject to many. So I'm really glad that we've got such an experienced panel that we can have this discussion with and really kind of get to the root of some of the issues later on in the session. But when we're looking at diversity and inclusion, as an overall and why it's so important and and why it's been brought to the forefront in recent years, we have to understand that it's so much more than just policies, programs and headcounts. 
we know that the research has shown us that equitable employers outpace their competitors. And that's they do that by respecting the individual and unique needs and perspectives and potentials of every one of their team members, regardless of their background, their, their race, their sex, or how they identify. So as a result, that means that diverse and inclusive workplace definitely earn deeper trust and more commitment from the employees, which then obviously um, relates to the output of that business as well. So that's why we're, we at Ignition are really trying to shine a light and particularly in our in our initiatives like Women in Accounting Awards that we do every year, which has got more and more popular and is a global award um, that we not that we um, recognise outstanding women who are really just leading the way, trailblazing and supporting other women as well within our profession. And Sonia, we know that 53% of accountants are women these days, uh, but they're chronically underrepresented in leadership roles. You, you are head of a software company that serves the accounting profession. Is it similar in, in fintech and software too that that happens? Absolutely. In fact, um, I, a friend of mine recently did a, a market research which said, which said to, to me that actually in fintech, there's fewer than 4% of CEOs that are female and actually the ones who are non-founders like myself represent one percent of that four percent and so the number of non-founder ceos in the fintech space is um less than one percent um in the uk and why is that a problem why is diversity such an issue that's something that i've been scratching my head about for a long time and i think the biggest problem is that most of the users of fintech are female and one of the things that I've realized um, when we did a market research this year at Chaser is that over 70% of credit controllers and accounting um, bookkeepers are actually female. So we have had men actually lead the tools and the innovation for the tools that actually females are using. Um, and I think that's where it's such an important thing for us as females to have our say and have our contribution on the tools that we are then using. The, you know, the wording in the tools, the UX in the tools, and what we actually need in the tools that we're using. That's a fascinating insight that the women are mostly using the tools and men are mostly building the tools. Zoe, I know you've done a lot of research in this area and you really made your name lifting the Countex up to the one of the world's biggest events for the accounting and fintech world. So you've had conversations like this from all sides. What are you seeing and why is diversity important? I think... I was actually watching back from Emma Roberts, who you did on the women leadership, and she said some really interesting things. Yeah, CEO of Creases Accounting. Yeah, she said some really things about just that sort of that, that diversity of thoughts. Um, I put together out the program for Accountex Manchester, and um, a big social media thing went off, big frenzy, like where are the women? And I was like, oh my god, I didn't think about that. The diversity of thoughts was not there. Um, and that got me really thinking. So I called up the, the lady who set it all up and we formed quite a good friendship in the end because what was happening was I wasn't thinking about it. It was not in my thoughts. So from there, and you know my journey, Rob, we have the, what we call the man on panel debate that happened at Accountex where, again, things can get a little bit volatile with the diversity conversation where there were some particular ladies who were like, Accountex, look at this panel full of men. And there I was in the background going, but you're not celebrating all of those all women panels that I also set up in the same day. Um, and that for me was such a, a journey. Thank you to Bob stuff too, Zoe. I've had, we've had all panel webinars where we've had women texting us saying, well, where are the women in this panel? And sometimes it's just hard to find women to join these panels. It is actually, and the other thing I did learn, because in my events experience world, I actually um, was one of the founding members of Women in Events. Now, uh, the event industry actually doesn't seem to have much of a diversity 
um, inclusion issue. So again, I've come from an industry that hasn't really had to, you know, it's pretty equally formed. Um, but, you know, setting that up, I learned also to, um, you know, this is, don't be a tick box. You know, don't be a tick box. When you're asked as a woman on a panel, don't be, a, I'm a tick box woman. Actually own the fact that you've been invited because you are knowledgeable and experienced and an influencer of that subject. Sometimes in my early days, I remember discussing with you, Rob, I'm like, are they just inviting me because I'm a woman? You know, and that that kind of that whole feeling, whereas now I now own when I'm invited to speak, I know because I've got something to add and I have value. But again, it's like, don't be a ticky box. Don't be again. Sometimes these conversations is just let's talk about it because it's a ticky box. Um, I mean, Rob, we discussed this before. You, you've done a you're a fantastic advocate for women in leadership. You have run how many webinars now based around this? A few hundred, I'm sure. <laughs> it's it's vital. Exactly. But what you're trying to do is bring us all in to talk about how we can make things better. And um, you know, like I said, I've had a lot of I've been beaten down, I've done things wrong myself, and I hope I've come out of it. Um, you know, I have a few war stories to go through, but I've learned some really powerful lessons. So, uh, and you've been with me on most of that journey as well, haven't you, Rob? Well, it's great that we're here righting some wrongs and busting some myths. Uh, Louise Moneypenny is a predominantly female organization, isn't it? But a lot of your clients, you'll be having conversations with men. Yeah, when I joined Moneypenny five years ago, I was amazed at um, the, the number of, of females in the building versus males. It was something like 85%. Uh, but that is because really the, the job roles of answering calls, being virtual receptionists, um, people were not applying to be a receptionist. because That's not a job title that males would search for. So we've worked really hard to change the language and job titles. So agent is very universal. So there's been a huge shift in five years here at Moneypenny. We, we've got a really good blend, even like 50 percent of our C-suite is female. Um, so it, it so it's great it's 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 I think it's taking time but we're getting better um not just us but I think society um to have that happy healthy mix and these opening remarks of mobbing about commenting on your situation and what you're finding but what's come out on all of these panels is it comes down to competitive advantage it is a smart idea to have women involved in senior roles in your organization whatever that looks like. We talked about diversity of thought, but there's an economic advantage. There's a social advantage. There's a recruitment and talent advantage. And Emma's nodding at this because it's easy to make the business case, Emma, isn't it, when you think about it? A hundred percent. And I think for me, the way that I always position this when I'm talking about this to people is I don't know everything. I don't need people around that table that think like me because that's what my job is there for. A good leader surrounds themselves with that diversity of thought. And I know a lot of people use that, but it goes, it's a good it's a good explanation as to we're not just looking at, okay, well, you know, how do you identify, um, what sex do you identify with? What, what's your cultural background? It's bigger than that. It's the diversity of thought that includes all of those things and goes through as well. Like I want people around my table that have been through different lived experiences to me because they're the people that are going to show me where all of my, my blind spots are when we're building strategy for the business. They're the people that are going to come with information and, and those lived experiences and, and also the expertise that I don't have. And that, what that really is, regardless of whether you're male or female, actually, that makes you a good leader to build that good, strong team around you. So actually, if, if something was to happen to you, your team and your business is going to continue thriving without you there. Like to me, that's a successful leader. I want to talk about the need for change and what needs to happen faster 
any final thoughts on the importance of diversity and why we're talking about this before we move on? I think just to add on to, you know, your point there, Rob, around it is around, you know, accessing the best talent as well. It's also really, it does lead to enhanced innovation and creativity and productivity. It, you know, it increases reputation as well, engagement, and then that obviously rolls up to the business results. So we can't forget about those extra, you know, ticks. And I hate to say ticks because it's definitely not a tick block exercise. Those extra results that come and impacts that come from having a DEIB lens on when you are doing anything within your business. Well, we're here to be catalysts for change, if nothing else. Sonia, what, in your view, needs to change? What are some of the barriers to companies being more diverse and inclusive these days? One of the things that we struggle with at Chaser in recruitment is just getting female candidates in the first place. Um, and just a bit of a personal story. I never thought in my entire life that I would be a CEO. I never anticipated being in this role. I never thought, oh, one day maybe I'll lead a company and I'll run it myself. It's never something that I even thought of um, as a part of my career trajectory. And when I think back, and I've been doing this role for three years now, um, I think back as to why. Why didn't I ever think that I would do this role? Well, you know, in 20 years of working, I've never had a female CEO. I've had some female bosses, but there's never been. And, and I wonder if um, sometimes we don't see ourselves in these roles because we didn't see other people like us in these roles. Because um, I can't, you know, I have the skill set to do this job. Um, obviously, I, I've been doing it. Um, so why didn't I ever think that I would? And it was never a part of my path. So I think there's two barriers here. One um, it, it's creating those those roles for women where they can <clears throat> see themselves in those roles so that we can also favor female candidates. I'd love to know your opinion here, Sonia, as well. Sorry, Rob, to jump in. But I'm I'm in a similar like position, especially with recruitment, right? It's particular roles as well. So sales, for example, I really struggle to find sales managers that are female. But when it comes to account management and customer success, there's like I, I'm finding lots of them. Do you find that's a similar thing? Yes. And I also think it's because um, traditionally, even for me, when I was up and comer graduates, you know, I was very interested in sales. Um, I started off my first jobs in sales. But then when I was working in technology and I saw all of the management roles and, you know, I really struggled to be part of the voice club. Um, I wasn't invited to the, to the, you know, watching the match and going to the pub. The boys all did that together. Um, and perhaps subconsciously or unconsciously, I just knew that that wasn't a path that I could take in my career that would get me somewhere. And I ventured into marketing um, because there were other women in marketing. Although in my first jobs, all of the, you know, the, the, the VPs and the, um, you know, the, the managers in marketing were men. Um, there were more females in, in, in those departments. And I can't say that it was a, a conscious decision, um, but I can't say that it wasn't part of my decision-making in, in my path. Um, I think sales, sales traditionally as well has been, um, you know, a lot of after hours, a lot of meeting clients, a lot of going out, which, you know, when you, you become a mother, you know how hard that is. Um, and with this economy, finding childcare as well, um, it's a it's a complete it's a disaster for us um, to think about you know being out of home two three nights a week entertaining clients. And to add to that, Sonia as well. I mean, I'm the breadwinner in my family, so my husband works part time. He does the school run, and I still am absolutely overwhelmed by how backwards people still see the world. You know, like the, the school sends an email out and says. 
we're going to do some reading time at 10 o'clock. I'm like, I, I'm working. And I found a really interesting statistic. 47 to 49% of UK working population is female. So isn't it funny how, you know, even I still feel like when people say to me, like, like you go to a party and they say to you, um, to your husband, what, what do you do? And he says, oh, I do X, Y, Z. And they sort of they don't ask me what I do. They ask me what school my children go to. And, I'm, and I find it really interesting, this conversation. But instead of taking it from a kind of a negative, I don't go all about the negativity. What I try and do is sort of make it positive. The schools is an issue because I work from home and I'm a CEO. So I didn't have a boss to ask and I got to go at 10 a.m. to see the show. But half the parents were missing, um, mums and dads alike. And then the children are sad because some of the parents got to, to go and and so we're not thinking about the implication that has then on the children actually that's quite an interesting angle as well Bob, actually that could be three, three years ago I would have been missing that show because I would have had a boss ask and he was like what you're going to miss you know you're going to miss a day's work half a day's work for 15 minute show we do know in today's society that given the cost of living and increasing prices to run a home more and more households have both parents working. And so there are ramifications of that. Zoe, just go on a little bit with what you were saying about your stats. Oh, no, it was just like, again, with that whole sort of 47 to 49% of working population is female. But what I wanted to sort of, my thought was really is about don't get into the negativity of it. Um, again, going back to some of the experience I've had, I've actually found it sort of making it positive, sort of stand up for it. Don't make it negative, make some positive changes. Um, I, I do find sometimes, particularly when I joined the um, uh, Women in Events group, I was, a I was asked to be a founding member. I said, I'm not interested in this being a male bashing association where we sit and bash everyone. What I wanna do is make positive, practical changes how can we educate to think more about diversity? Myself included, Rob. I someone, you know, called me out and said, "You've got you've got no women on your program." And I was like, "Didn't realize that." And yes, it is hard to find women leaders. No, it's not. Think about it. Manage it better. Focus about it. And me putting that focus on it, me being a bit more aware of it, me identifying it and having it in constantly in my thought, I was able to identify more women speakers. I increased the women speaker program by fifty percent. Um, but instead of sort of going, oh, men, 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 men. I actually think, how can we educate both men and women to be more aware of it? How can we make it that that front of thoughts when having these diversity conversations? So, I mean, I was going to ask you a question, Rob, Sonia and I both discussed this. Like, do you know how many people have watched these Women in Leadership podcasts that you've been running? We know that we have 30,000 listeners to our show, but if you're going to ask me how many of them are men, we don't know because nobody can tell you exactly who listens to a podcast. We can tell you how many and where they listen and on what device. But no podcaster, broadcaster, YouTuber can tell you that. But given that the numbers are going up, we know men are listening and we know men are smart leaders just as women are. So they'll recognize that to fill their talent pipeline, they need to be representative to the up and coming generation with putting people in leadership positions like them. And although we're talking about men and women right now, there are many underrepresented groups, many minorities. We could talk about the working class and how they're represented in, in upper echelons of leadership. We took a, could talk about racial minorities. We could talk about LGBTQ. And the whole message here is, as I look up the tree to people higher up than me, who do I see that's like me? Who do I see that I can aspire to be? And that's the problem with diversity is that it's stale, male, pale and middle class at the upper echelons of most organizations. 
And that's what needs to change. Louise, what's on your agenda for change? What do you think needs to happen to break down some barriers for diversity? Well, I think the need, what we need to do is capitalise on what we've already got. And um, over the last couple of years, with the whole hybrid, flexible working, the conversations I've been having with accountancy firms, they... They were happy for people to work from home, but then they wanted them all back in. Um, and and what, what does that look like now? So I think uh, for us, we've made a huge change at Moneypenny. So we were 100% office-based, a thousand Moneypennies in this building uh, before um, uh, the pandemic. Uh, then we all went home. Then we're all doing a bit of hybrid and we're all struggling to recruit. So we now have um, put it out there with our um, recruitment team. We now recruit at 100% remote workers we've never done anything like it and it's going really well because what we're tapping into there is people that don't drive people that are concerned about travel costs people that have got pets and want to juggle um, the work home life balance but they want to work and we even give part-time now we never did that so I think you've just got to capitalize on the changes that you've made in order to tap in to um, really sort of everybody that has got great skills rather than being very traditional. Like you've got to come to Moneypenny, you've got to sit in this office, you've got to do it only there. So we're, we've really opened up our resource net, which is amazing. Emma, if I made you the czar of accounting and fintech in the whole world, would diversity be top of your agenda? And if so, how would you go about changing things? Yeah, 100% would. And that would be down to the fact that we've seen the impact that it has on business and on professions, right? So, and, and I think with regards to changing things, there isn't a single silver bullet. I think there's been some really, really good points raised already. And, and Rob, you know, you mentioned there about the, the male side of everything, if, if we're just focusing on the gender piece, right? Where we're seeing lots of, in your words, like male, stale, middle-aged, middle-class, but some of my biggest supporters and cheerleaders and mentors have been have fitted into that racket so I think the way that I would go about changing things is to stop putting people in boxes if that makes sense like and that goes that goes further than just looking at race gender age background like that also goes with people you know how their experiences are what what their lived experiences are how they are as a personality what's their working style what's their communication style like I'm so past seeing, and I've seen this happen on so many occasions, not just through the DEIB piece, but also from a communications piece, people being put in a box because they might be a little bit more less sociable. People are presuming they're not good presenters or speakers. And that's not the case at all. Some of my best speakers and presenters have been the quieter people in the office because if they bring a completely different skill set, they might be more analytical, they might be more thoughtful about the, what they're actually presenting and, and the way that they're doing that. So I think the biggest change that I would make is that we need to stop putting people in boxes, but we also need to be aware at every single level that this is an ongoing um, improvement cycle where we're never going to nail it. Like there's never going to be a time where we get every single, you know, um, different culture and, and, and sex and, you know, sexual orientation on an equal footing because if we do have, you know, we have to have that diversity. We have to have um, different people who are in different roles and have different backgrounds at the end of the day. So I think it's all about making sure it's at the forefront of everything we do and stop putting people in boxes. There's some wonderful comments from a sociologist called John Peterson who says there are some sectors where it will be male dominated. 99% of bricklayers are men. Women don't want those jobs. So actually is 50-50 in the boardrooms of accounting and fintech companies desirable or even possible? Maybe not, but the point is that we want it to be more than it is, whether it's- And it goes into a social element, right, as well, Rob, right? So unfortunately, and Zoe touched on this brilliantly earlier, unfortunately, we are still living in a world where 
um, if you're looking at potentially, you know, if a household has children or even pets for people who don't have children or, 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 or you know, even no dependents or animals whatsoever, there is still this expectation that the woman will do the majority and have the, the majority of the burden of care. And whether that's care of a person or a pet or whether that's care of the household, it's still an expectation. And do you know what? I enjoy doing housework. I love it. And my husband helps. I'm really lucky with my husband and, and he helps with childcare. He's out now with the dog and the baby so I can be doing this in silence. But I mean, I don't want that to be taken away from me either because that's my way of kind of like actually winding down. And people are going to be like, you're mad. You like housework. But yeah, I tell you what, I hoover twice a day just to de-stress. <laughs> any final thoughts? I want to talk about leadership in a moment, but any final thoughts on the agenda for change with more diversity? I want to increase the practical support, Rob. You know, we, we're all here talking about it and you've done some exceptional um, podcasts around it as well, Rob. But what can we do to pr be practical about this? Is it about maybe bringing in some, some men who haven't really, again, like my journey when I just wasn't even thinking about diversity? How can we do, how can we practically support the conversation conversation about diversity to increase it get to people thinking about it a bit more and, and and focusing on it and how can we how can we do that on a practical level um that's kind of my thoughts is again instead of this male bashing and talking about how can we positively just like I, I like to be an ambassador of like look let, let's let's increase the thought process on it all um and I'd love to know anyone that has any thoughts on how we can just be a bit more practical on it because I think that's the way forward as well and to that question as well for me when it goes back to recruitment is how do I get more diverse CVs mm. what are we doing wrong with our, our job ads for a sales role in particular we'll get you know 30 CVs that are that are men and, and we'll get one female do we prioritize the female candidate even though perhaps the experience is not comparable. And that's exactly the same with the program as well, Sonia, when we're putting together the program for any event. You know, I used to get um, speaker submission forms and we didn't ask if they were male or female or what gender they were. And as you know, some there are a mix of names that can be male or female. Um, so then I was getting to the point where I was having to establish because I needed to be more mindful of the diversity speakers that we were having. Um, and that's why I launched the Women Speak Out campaign, because I thought, actually, do you know, I need to work harder on this. This is not going to happen, actually. Let's be practical. Let's be a little bit more proactive. And I think that's kind of, it's just thinking that a little bit more, isn't it? It isn't going to come naturally for a while. So let's just be a bit more proactive. And that's kind of my main sort of lesson. And there's a balance as well, right? So we went down the route initially of, you know, making sure that we're screening all of our candidates when we're looking at recruitment as a specific example. We're making sure that we're doing that gender blind but then actually there's times when I've said I need to increase this diversity like I want to see I'm going to actually try to find as well a positive discrimination. I need to see female CVs and I want the majority of my shortlisted to be female because I need some female influence in this team. And that's for the greater good of the team. So you're balancing out your avatars. That's what you're doing, isn't it? You're balancing out your personas that's needed in your team. Yeah, definitely. I, th I think it goes back to Louise's point that offering flexible working for me has increased the fact that we're working all from home at Chaser has increased our female candidates in recruitment and making that front and center in our in our job posts has been the only thing that has worked for us to increase our female candidates. Let's talk about leadership. There is a lot of research on leadership and the consensus is that men and women do lead differently. Men have a, and I'm stereotyping of course, but a more testosterone based approach of not so much arrogance, but power and not consensus, but this is the direction we're going in and get on the bus or get off. Women are more compassionate, perhaps authentic, a little bit more vulnerable, certainly more empathetic in their approach, softer. And in today's fragile world where everyone's contending with something, mental health and well-being are very much at the fore. Is a female 
approach to leadership, if there is such a thing, uh, desirable? Louise, what do you think about that? I think I can only base it on my personal experience of, um, you know, the leadership style here at Moneypenny. And I know that the focus here is the communication. We focus heavily on being very open with lots of regular communication. But you can't say that that's the same for all female leaders. Um, but when I joined Money Penny, I was like, oh, wow, it's quite fluffy here, isn't it? We tell everyone about everything. And uh, I, for me, coming from a male-dominated um, background in recruitment previously for 20 years, when I came to Money Penny, I was like, wow, we celebrate lots of things. We communicate everything. This is quite different. And and But that came from Joanna, my group CEO. So I, I'm indoctrinated now to this way. And um, But I, I think, um, yeah, leadership styles are very different, aren't they? Well, men are not known. They talk a lot about work, but they don't talk a lot about themselves. And they say that very few men have best friends. The friends for men are the husbands and partners of their wives and girlfriends. That tends to be the way it is. And men don't open up about things. And that's the way we're brought up. If you admit any vulnerability as a man or any weakness as a man, you're bullied. You don't admit that on the playground else you're toast. So not to champion the cause of men here. This isn't the, the object of the conversation, but... We do grow up thinking in different ways and perhaps leading in different ways. There are vulnerable, authentic, open male leaders, but it tends to be more of an approach for women to say, let's all talk. Communication is key here. It's okay to blur the business and personal lines to get on with a good work life. Sonia, what would you say about that? I think this is a very um, a very close subject to me because of how I lead. People always ask me, would you be friends with people on your team? And the reality is I am. Um, got, you know, friends from Chaser who come to my house for dinner, who know my daughter, who know my husband, who know my cats. And um, it is an uncomfortable situation. I've had so many mentors in my life saying, you can't blur the lines between professional and per, um, uh, professional and, and, and personal, and that it's a mistake. Um, and in the beginning of my career, I believed it. Um, but then my maid of honor was an ex-boss of mine um, at my wedding. Um, and I kind of used her as a pivot to how I would then want my bosses to be. I think that um, I certainly lead um, with transparency and um, telling people what's going on in my life. I think that it has fostered a respect and trust from people on my team. They know who I am and where I stand on things. I think um, I think it also makes them more comfortable to tell me what's going on in their lives. Um, sometimes they might have something that's going on that will impact how their work is, is performing. Um, if I'm aware of that, then I can proactively help them um, in the cases where I can help. And you know, there's some things that there's nothing you can do about. Um, but <clears throat> I also think personally, it's it's made work more fun. I think most people um, on my team would describe working at Chaser as fun. And I think when um, people find work fun, they're more productive. And I think, you know, because People see me as their friend as well. They care about the outcome of the business. They care to make it successful and they care about the work they're doing. Um, so for me, it's, I think it's worked very well. I've also had male bosses, however, who were kind of just get down to business. And I've also enjoyed working for them. And I have fond memories of working for those people. So I think I think there's room for both. I think the best is having both. Um, that And that's the whole diversity, diversity of thought. I think I have a you know, I have a co um, um, kind of counterparts on my leadership team who are men who help us get down to business. Um, and, and, I, and I love it. I love the fact that there's the both of us. That's that's the point, isn't it? That you have an, a blend of leadership styles. 
Much like with a football coach, some coaches will kick a player up the backside because they know that's what they need. And some coaches will put an arm around the shoulder or they've got a coaching team now where some of the team will relate better to some of the players. And when my wife and I met, we met in a health club and I would go into the seven o'clock circuit training classes to have some sergeant major guy speak to me like I was a piece of dirt and ask for 50 more push-ups because that got me going in the morning. But if Amanda was told that, she'd give him a slap because she <laughs> wanted a different approach. So it, it is, we're, we're all different. Uh, Emma, when we talk about the challenging complex world that we're in, a fragile humans and the hybrid working, what do you feel women bring to the table that perhaps men don't or can't? Look, I think, and going back to your kind of overall point earlier around the difference between the leadership styles of men and women, I think a really good way to wrap that up is that women lead more by concentrating on, on relationships, managing expectations and then seeking input. And then I see I see men focus more on promoting their abilities and then the final outcomes. So I'd probably, you know, use that terminology more so than saying, you know, I think it's important when we say about vulnerability, it's actually not whether or not the the, the men or the women are vulnerable, it's whether or not we're open enough to share it. And if we're open, and that's part of our leadership role as well, because everyone can be vulnerable at different times in their life, regardless of sex. With regards to that question, Rob, um, there was this, uh, I think it was on... Oh, I'll have to I'll have to look up the source, but I did read an article about a year ago, which was really interesting, which was seven leadership lessons for men from women. Um, and they had some really good facts and, and some pointers where where men kind of score a lot lower um, than women do when it comes to a leadership style. Um, and they were things like don't lean in when you've got nothing to lean in about. Um, that kind of goes back to my point around building a really good team around you that has different experiences to you and a diversity of thought know your own limitations it's something as women that we go probably too much the other way and we put limitations on ourselves that aren't actually there like we can you know break through glass ceilings etc but we just need to be supported and be in the right environment to do so but then on the flip side there's this nice kind of middle ground where maybe men can learn a little bit more about you know being a little bit less risky which is naturally built into a lot of the the senior leaders that are male um, within professions um, motivating through transformation we see women do that much more um, we see them put people ahead of themselves like one of my biggest um, you know lessons I guess and I'll probably come back to this towards the end is the power of servant leadership women naturally kind of tend to to lead more from a servant perspective um, don't command emphasize uh, focus on elevating others and then this is my favorite as well where potentially men could learn a little bit more from the way that a woman naturally leads um, and that is don't say that you're humbled be humble <laughs> a lot of my work with accountants over the years has been done in business development particularly with networking and stereotyping again but men tend to think sale first relationship second so they'll meet somebody at a networking event or a conference and they'll think first can I do business with this person is there a deal here and if there is then they'll get to know them and build a relationship women meet somebody and say can I get on with this person are they nice can I have a relationship with them and if there is a relationship there they'll build that and then ask the question is there a deal here Rob that is so funny you say that I had this exact thought process yesterday because I'm trying to meet more exhibitors and more people and I dropped them an email and said, should we have a scope call to see? I'm not sure of the business. Like, here, let's have a, let's have see if there's any synergy. And he went, can you just send me your price list? And I'm like, well, no, it's not all about selling you. You know, there's a partnership piece in the conversation that we can have that doesn't involve money. And he's like, oh, well, we haven't got any budget this year. Maybe we'll catch up next year. And I stick back. And exactly what you just said then, Rob, really resonates with me because I was a bit like, I just wanted to talk to you and find out what you're doing, learn more about your product, understand your wish list, your objectives because I might have been able to help there or actually form, you know, a, a relationship. And and now he's now not talking to me till next year. Um, 
and I thought it's really interesting you said that because that was literally what I was thinking yesterday like I just wanted to have a chat with him and uh, that that's not happening now but that's, that's interesting very interesting well what we do know just to finish this off on leadership is that if you are marshalling a workforce of diverse people, then you need a diverse range of approaches and you need to be very flexible in your leadership. And sometimes you will need to be more feminine or more understanding and more compassionate and even more vulnerable. Because how can you get your people to open up if you're not willing to say that you're struggling yourself because you create some barriers? So there's some great lessons coming out here. Any final thoughts on leadership before we move to closing remarks, ladies? I think, Rob, as well, to that point, um, I think it's all about environment. Um, so when I go back to yeah and culture so when I go back to for example my military days where it was predominantly male orientated and we deployed to Afghan and there was only four of us females versus like 40 odd males the culture there is and you wouldn't necessarily expect this but there was a level of trust and vulnerability because you're living together because of your fighting together because of what you're going through and that is definitely something that I then brought into the business world from a vulnerability perspective now I wouldn't necessarily say that was because I was a female that I brought that in but more it was because of that experience that I'd had previously in the military because when I think about me and my close friends and things have changed now as we've matured and grown up and become mothers etc but you know we probably wouldn't have been particularly vulnerable you know when we were younger we'd meet up we'd have a laugh we'd be there for each other but we wouldn't be opening up whereas I did with my male counterparts so I think culture and environment is a real key player in that and if we can get more people both male and female to be open to that culture and to really drive that culture I think you'll see that natural lift in, in trust within the organization mm. and to add to that Emma a little a little bit from what you said Emma and Sonia is about that that combines experience um more access to different points of views and uh, when I was sort of looking into sort of getting my points of view on this it's kind of a combination of skill sets and that creative vision um you know the, the different approaches and experience together that that's going to create much better diversity thinking like diversity of thought I, I love that as the caption for this podcast Rob um because that's the one thing that I'm hearing quite a lot one thing that has come out in previous panels particularly when we've talked to managing partners of large accounting firms and large fintech companies and even leaders of associations and networks it's this word defeminization, where women have felt at times the need to be more masculine in their approach, to fit in or to play the game. Sonia? Or we're told to be. Um, our mentors will tell us. Be less emotional when you say that. Well, for instance, in meetings, women don't speak up enough and they're told to just shout out and say something, but they a little bit of imposter syndrome perhaps, but they'll maybe hold back on a job they feel they're very qualified for, but they're not confident enough to go for and find that in not applying, some man comes forward that's ill-equipped to take on that role, but gets the job because they didn't. So there's lots of psychological things going on here that are change the game but can i add to that as well robin a really lovely example of a positive and um, when you set up the air group um it was primarily all men because i was invited from the beginning but i had a little baby to look after and i'll never forget that first year when i came that first in-person meeting and i think there's probably maybe 12 of us around the table and i was um and i was a bit nervous because i thought they're all, they're all men and i was felt i was made to feel so welcome and you went around the table at the end and you said right what's the most important thing you got out of this and what they were saying is, is how me being in the room had changed in a positive way, the dynamics. Um, it made the men more vulnerable. They were opening up, weren't they, Rob? They were sharing more information. And just by me being there, and that wasn't me as a person, I just think it was just having that thought process there. And I went away feeling confident myself that I'd actually 
was able to add something to these incredible, you know, incredible men that I was surrounded by. I didn't feel like, oh, I'm the only woman or anything like that. But what I felt is I felt celebrated and appreciated. And uh, do you know what? That made me feel amazing. And I'll never forget that experience because that was really good for me. Thank you for that. And for watchers and listeners of the podcast, AIR is the Accounting Influencers Roundtable. It's a, an international group that we have of people that sell to and through accountants. And yeah, for a while... Here in the UK, it was face to face and it was a male dominated group and women were not represented because to Sonia's point earlier, we couldn't find enough strong women. And Yeah, Rob, you did try. I'm going to get I'm going to stand up for you here. You did an half try, though. You did try. It's now about 50 50, isn't it, Rob? Almost. And it's great to have some strong, authoritative female voices in there. So, um, Sonia, hopefully we'll get you in soon as well. Uh, because because Emma, Louise, and Zoe are all saying it. I was like, oh, yeah, I need to get back to you about that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let, let's wrap things up here. We We've set the agenda for diversity. We've admitted that it's important here. We've called for change. We've given some obstacles that need to be overcome. We've talked about the different approaches to leadership. What we haven't even mentioned is the clients, the customers here. We know that more and more women are starting businesses and running businesses. If you have an accounting firm, for instance, with all male people, how are you going to relate to your female clients? If you've got all old people, how are you going to relate to the younger generation that are coming into business? So not just being representative in leadership of your own workforce, but representative of your customer or client base. That's really important. So, but let's move on to closing remarks. And uh, Zoe, I'll get you to finish off this round here as we bring things to a close. Any career tips for not just women, but all people listening to be better leaders in promoting a more diverse and inclusive culture? What would you say to our listeners and watchers? I think from my experiences, don't get into the negativity. Don't don't get wrapped into it. Just make it positive. Stand up. Stand out. Make those positive choices yourself. Um, Emma Roberts said this, and I really love this. She said, be an ambassador of your own culture. Um, and to add to that, like challenge yourself. Like for me, I will always challenge myself. Like, have I really thought this through? You know, because sometimes even I've forgotten the diversity thought process. Um, but for me, it's also being proactive. Let's stop talking about it. Let's be proactive and, and practical and encourage, build and actually implement what we're trying to do here. Um, and that is, is, is open up the discussion with to include women and men as well and, and just get us to confidently talk about it and be practical. And We've had uh, Professor Anton Lewis on the show. He's uh, one of the leading uh, commentators on black accounting. And he says the biggest problem in organizations is they don't talk about it. They just assume so many things. They assume they know where different people are coming from and there's not enough conversation. So I would definitely- But even if they're not talking about it, Rob, how can they then be practical and start even implementing it, you know? And that's where we are. Now we're talking about this. This is great, but let's start implementing it and let's make it, let's start doing some, let's start doing some stuff around it and, and get things done. Louise, what are your closing thoughts here with words of advice and encouragement to the listeners and watchers to raise their game in inclusive leadership? I think um, when it comes to recruitment, because we're all growing and we're all wanting to bring people through, uh, use just a simple recruit for attitude and nothing else. Um, and that's the money penny way we recruit on attitude. We don't look at, what their background is or what their experience is. It's a gender blind approach in a way, isn't it? So we could have uh, accountants with tattoos and dreadlocks yeah. and, and everything else and it, everything counts. Why not? Sonia, what about you? What are your closing thoughts, words for our listeners and watchers? I was just reflecting. We, we didn't discuss um, potentially the impact that technology and automation will have in helping women in these roles. And I forgot to mention that earlier because um, and I think closing remark is perhaps having a conversation around that topic specifically, 
Um, because I do think that um, a lot of the manual jobs are currently held by women um, and the increased usage of technology and automation related technology is going to help women, I think, move into different roles. And that might be the shift or what they're calling, you know, the fourth industrial revolution that's going to help women break through the, the glass ceiling, if there is one, um, hypothetically. Um, so I, I do think that, you know, if I had a recommendation to make to other females in my industry in fintech, it would be to um, embrace technology, become the experts in that tech, um, because that that I think is going to be um, one of the things that is going to help propel their career forward. Because in the future, we're going to want those users. We're going to want those skill sets above any above anything else. The counter to that, though, Sonia, is that uh, as the world becomes more technological in nature, the human side of that speaks to relationships and telling the stories behind the tech and bringing the humanity to the tech. And that's where women perhaps have the edge. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I bet we started with you and we will finish with you. We know how passionate you are about this topic. So what words of wisdom would you leave us all with? I think I think three things come to the top of my mind. First of all, have a growth mindset. So make sure that you take on challenges and learn from them. That will increase your abilities and achievements. So again, you're not you're not fighting this imposter syndrome all the time, like believe in yourself, learn from those those challenges and and you know, push yourself outside your comfort zone occasionally. I think secondly, Lift others around you and take people on the journey, especially the majority groups. So we can't do this without those majority groups. If we're talking specifically on gender, we need the males within our um, organizations to really understand this and really be the drive towards the change. So make sure we're taking everyone on the journey with us. And then finally, be that change that you want to see. So lead by example, like be an ally to other minority groups as well, like behave in the way um, that you want to, you want to see the larger and the wider organization behave even in make sure that you're putting deib at the front of everything that you're doing to lead by example so people can see the best practice and how you should be doing it what we do know as well thank you for that is that the diversity equity inclusion agenda is now expanding to add j for justice and a for accessibility and who knows what else is coming in with these acronyms and as the world gets more complex we need diverse thinking diverse approaches people with different backgrounds to speak their perspectives into the situation to make sense of what we call the VUCA, the volatility, the uncertainty, the complexity, the ambiguity. So many great ideas, so much passion from you all. Thank you so much for leading the charge, for leading in a wonderful way that inspires leaders of all diverse backgrounds. You've shared so much passion and insights today. We thank you for your time and taking part in this panel. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Lee. Thank you. Thanks for inviting us. Well. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. Sponsored by Moneypenny. Find your business's perfect way to say hello. Hello.